Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. We're a week out from the start of Women's Health Week and so we're going to do something a little bit different for this episode. Normally we talk about personal stories and we have women as guests who share their own personal experiences. But today we're going to be speaking to another absolutely amazing woman. I've got Stephanie joining me today. Stephanie is the principal physio at Lion Rocker Physio and she has a special interest in women's health and so she does still treat uh, musculoskeletal ailments as well Uh, but she's done some extra studying and some extra training specifically around women's health. Outside of that she loves scuba diving and enjoys listening to music but today we're going to be talking about her passion for women's health in physio and most specifically speaking about continence and incontinence and hopefully dispelling some of the myths that are around there that once you've had a baby that's it continence is a distant memory a thing of the past so thank you so much for joining me today Stephanie hello everyone hi I'm Stephanie tell me a little bit about some of the myths that there are around continence I think the most common one it's like right after the deliver a child delivery then they they know that they can't they can't do anything like jumping running or anything like that or they feel like I can't return to sports things like that that's probably the most common myths and most of the women are pretty unsure as to when they should return to sports yeah and look I'm just going to put it out there obviously talk to your doctor before you return to sports and we're not saying that if you deliver at nine o'clock in the morning you should be out playing softball by lunchtime having some common sense here as well but that it doesn't mean that you have to just stop doing those activities yeah absolutely because um usually i mean after the delivery yes your pelvic floor muscles could be weakened because of um you've gone through like childbirth and the whole process so usually you give that like period of time to let the pelvic floor muscle reset and rest then usually we really encourage the women the ladies to check in with a women's health physio or professionals to make sure there's like good pelvic floor muscle strengths and powers. Mm. Mm. So actually that's that's one of the things that I guess is something that we hear a lot. Oh I had a caesar so my pelvic floor wasn't impacted by having a baby. Yeah, I heard that a lot of times and then they really presume like after C-session because the baby didn't even go through that pathway so I'm good mm. but that's wrong because that's incorrect in a way because um, throughout your pregnancies or the I- increase of intra-abdominal pressures from your baby that also causes like the pressure onto the pelvic floor mm. so even though you've had a c-session which they you know did an incision and then take the baby out you, we would still need to really take close care on your pelvic floor muscles yeah yeah I guess it's like sort of thinking that you've had well for some people you've had nine months for other people it's less than that some people it's more than that depending on you know each baby takes their own time to decide when it's time to come out but you've had let's say nine months of the weight of a baby growing and you're sort of hanging on that hammock and stretching that hammock and so while you may not have had a vaginal delivery 
there's still the impact of nine months of carrying that weight of a child on your pelvic floor and how that can still significantly weaken a pelvic floor. Yeah, correct. And also remember that our normal structure to actually support all the pelvic organs is you have the passive like ligament structure on top of the bladder uh, area. Mm -hmm. Then you also have the sling sort of structure that supports all the way through at the bottom to the, which is your pelvic floor muscles. So both of them act together. However, throughout like pregnancies, your pelvic floor muscles will get stretched by the baby, baby's weight. And also because of pregnancy hormones, so the Mm. ligaments at the top, they can also still get quite lax. Yeah. Remember if you know, you guys, the ladies, or you guys are still breastfeeding, you will still have those laxity hormones, like producing those pregnancy hormones. So that will still keep like, you know, the ligament, passive ligament structures a bit weakened as well. So that's why. Ah, that's really interesting. Mm. And so for women who are choosing to breastfeed sometimes up to three years, that's mm. three, you know, and often people are breastfeeding and then pregnant with another child. Mm. And, you know, so throughout that entire time, those, the same hormones are actually yep. keeping those They will still be closer. at like a, yeah, certain level. So that's why we're like, uh, even though like after pregnancies, we'd encourage you guys to do appropriate like levels of exercises to keep your deep abdominal muscles or your pelvic floor muscles strengthened up. Yeah. I guess one of the issues that, well, one of the things that I hear mm-hmm. is with the you know the bounty bags and the gift bags that, that <laughs> mums to be and new mums or people who have birthed that they receive often there are incontinence products in those bags mm. and so people then the stories that I hear is well I've had a child now so this is to be expected this is normal mm. so I want to dig into that idea around normal mm. and is this you know i I had my first baby when I was 23. Mm. So should I be expecting that from the age of 23 until hopefully I die at a ripe old age of 100 <laughs> and something or another, mm-hmm. that I should be expecting that, you know, incontinence to be an issue for my lifetime? You shouldn't. I mean, the incontinence issue, you, you might still feel a degree of incontinence at the start, maybe like the first six weeks or first four weeks right after the delivery. Mm-hmm. However, that's why usually for women's health physio, we encourage you guys to speak with speak to a physio or other professionals by the six week mark after your delivery. So usually, like uh, the ladies will get checked out by the GP, midwife, or obstetrician mm-hmm. at the six week mark. So after that, because they only look at like whether I guess whether incision is still good, whether everything's intact. However, they don't really actually check on the pelvic floor muscle function. So we will still encourage them to go to a physio to check that. And if we identify anything, we can from there, because it's still at the early stage, to target like specific program and to work the pelvic floor muscle up. Once they are actually, they got the hang of it, of how to activate that, I don't see there's a problem in the long run. Mm. I just want to go, so even if, let's say somebody had a child, uh, I was speaking to somebody recently, who um so it's her story that I was sharing around well I've got I've had three children so um this is kind of what I can expect now so her youngest child I think is 11 or 12 even if she's Mm -hmm. waited until her youngest child is 11 or 12 is it too late now for her to access support no no never too late so that's why we still encourage even though uh you've had it for a long time I also recently had a uh, a lady she's 
when was it? Yeah, her son was about, I think her son's now like about 20 years old or something. Mm. So this issue has actually been with her along the whole way. Yeah. However, she didn't realize or she didn't know at all like who to go to, how to access the services. She did go to the GP. However, the GP is also unsure like what uh, the GP can provide. So she came to me and then I I obviously explained the situation as well. She's progressing really well now. Yeah. However, it's never too late. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, however, it might just stretch out the time that we need to actually slowly get the pelvic floor activate again correctly. Well, if you haven't been using it for 20 years. You know? <laughs> that's the thing. They're usually pretty weak and usually the brain connection to the muscle is pretty weak mm -hmm. however we are also there to try find strategies or like the cues that would work the best for them so they can actually control that a lot better themselves yeah yeah um, and i guess that's one of the things is that often people go to a gp and gps get a bad rap the thing is that it's a gp so that's a general practitioner not somebody who's specifically focused on this area mm -hmm. and obstetricians they're focused on you know how have you recovered either from the c-section have you recovered mm. from the delivery i think it's the women's health physios who actually this is what they specialize in yeah i would say like women's health physio definitely we help we can help a lot of different um areas but definitely focusing on like pelvic regions so whether you have bladder problems bowel problems pelvic floor pain or like a sexual pain or pelvic girdle pain things like mm. that so we focus around there and we usually tie back to your problem with your function limitation as well and that's why we try to when we like establish our exercise program or your treatment management um, plan that's what we try to work towards uh, like get you slowly back to the normal function as well mm. so you've said that it's never too late to go to see a physio or to start addressing these issues. Mm. Can it be too early? Not really. It, you can also still, like, even though you, you're not sure whether it's, like, you don't have any symptoms, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't actually have leakage or whatnot, but you still want to get it checked. You can still do that because mm. that way we can mark out like a baseline to see like, mm, yeah, your pelvic floor muscle is like at this level, you know? So whenever at the stage you gonna fall pregnant or not pregnant or because even though uh, other than pregnancies like as you age as well so mm -hmm. if you reach to an older age and things like that because of menopause as well so you can also lose those rigidity around those uh the cervix uh, the pelvic floor uh, uh the cells rigidity there so there's less support to actually support all the pelvic organs as well so mm -hmm. that's why older people they might actually have a big laugh or big sneeze they might have a little bit of leakage yeah. there so well sometimes it's a big bit of leakage depending on how they're going <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. so it's never too, it doesn't so whenever even though you're not symptomatic you can still you know speak with one of the physios and they will be able to like map out like your baseline's about here so if it changes or whatnot we can always adjust and modify for them yeah um, so when, before we started recording, you mentioned resting pelvic floor after having a baby. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so usually like after your delivery, so like I would say that first month to two months, it's like the golden time you need to like really rest it. But by resting, I don't mean like you need to bed rest 24 hours yeah. yet. So we still encourage gentle movements. However, you're not doing 
anything that ex overly exert pressure onto the pelvic floor muscles. So these might include like lifting heavy weights or repetitive like bending over, picking up. Like most of the mums, they might have to pick up their kids and all that, but we usually try to give them different strategies to sort of like uh, alternative alternatively pick them up so they don't have to increase too much too much pressure onto the intra-abdominal area yeah are you talking about picking up their newborn or are you talking about picking up older children or both bit of both <laughs> okay yeah so sometimes if mums they have toddler that will probably be a bit trickier because the toddler would definitely be a lot heavier than a than newborn. A newborn yeah. So newborn usually not too bad, mm -hmm. but the toddler is probably the, yeah, will definitely give more strategies like maybe they have to squat down or they don't position them too low so they don't mm. have to always get down, pick them up and then put them somewhere else or things like that. Yeah, yeah. You also spoke about appropriate exercises. So actually before we get into appropriate exercises, I think one of the concerns that people have with going to a women's health physio for something like incontinence and whether maybe it's less of a concern when you've just had a baby because you, you honestly think you've had so many exams that what's one more mm. but you know when women are aging there's a concern around what that may actually be like going into that physio appointment and what are they gonna do <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what might happen during those appointments yeah so generally we split it up like uh, a subjective part and an objective part so subjective is just to understand a little bit more like how your daily routine goes and what sort of like like your drinking habits, diet habits, because they all change like how much air fluid intake in your body. So let's say if you have like an incontinence issue, we always like look at the intake part, so how much input you've got. And then we also look at like the output side. So how much you're actually peeing out or mm -hmm. how much you have defecation or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's why we would do the subjective sort of history. Then when we do the objective, we can usually, we usually go with either real-time ultrasound assessment, which is like, it, it gives us a biofeedback of what exactly that pelvic floor is doing at the time. We also have the internal examination option, which is the golden standard because it actually gives you more accurate information as well. However, just depending on the lady as well, because mm -hmm. some might not prefer internal examination, then we can still stick with the real-time ultrasound as well. So from there, usually we would be able to get like the results and like, mm, there's some parts that we need to work on. And then based on that information, we would then target and tailor the exercise program. So what might the exercises look like? Mm. And I know obviously people need to go and see a women's health physio and you're not suggesting that people try these because it's important to make sure that you're doing them correctly and that kind of thing. But just so people get an idea around what it might look like. Yeah, absolutely. So the program generally is not like the ones you go to gym, like you got to lift 10 kilo weight. <laughs> and you gotta oh, sorry, I've just three. got this mental picture of trying to lift yeah. 10 kilos with my pelvic floor. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I don't yeah. think I'm up for it. Yeah. So not like that. Don't worry, yeah, guys. Fam. <laughs> so usually it's just um, because most of the people coming in, they might be uh, the, the brain connection into the pelvic floor muscles might not be great. Mm -hmm. So they might sometimes not even get like a good activation. So it's those ones, we would just need to simply try to actually get them the right cue to actually get the pelvic floor nicely elevating and nicely descending. That's it. So then we might just tar target like 
how many times that they are able to do before they fatigue. Mm -hmm. So then we go from there. Usually as well, depending on whether they are having leakage at a certain timing. So some people are like, oh, I only feel the little leakage when I have a big cough or when I have a big sneeze. So then those would be tying into the timing of how you activate the pelvic floor muscles. Mm -hmm. So those when we would probably change the muscle activation into like, mm, you need to cooperate that with like your timing. So maybe get them like, uh, get the pelvic floor activate when they squat or, you know, so like cooperate with the timing as well. Yeah. So there are a few different ways we so can. Maybe it's less change. important to grab the tissue and more important <laughs> to squeeze. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So things like that. And then as we progress as well. So sometimes if uh, the ladies aren't very aware of that pelvic floor muscles, we can also get them like uh, train the muscle endurance as well. So get them hold it for a certain amount of seconds, then relax as well. So just depending on their conditions as well, that's usually the go to sort of method for most incontinence related problems. However, if there's like any sort of like sexual pain problems, then that's another approach as well. Mm. Mm. So with that, with training to hold muscles and things, there's so many, so many myths we could go into, but um, just popping into my head, you know, the, before you take your kids out, you're like, okay, let's, let's all go and try for a wee before we go. And then being told, well, actually you shouldn't do that because that's not training your bladder to be able to hold for long periods of time. So um, so that, or you should only, you should only um, go to the toilet if you can fill a Coke can with urine, um, <laughs> which I can honestly tell you, I've never taken a Coke can in with me to double check. <laughs> um, a good idea. So are there, have you got thoughts on those kinds of myths? Yeah, I've also got um, quite a lot of ladies that are like, oh yeah, I'm doing my uh, pelvic floor and then they all of a sudden suck in their whole uh, tummy muscle or like brace the whole abdominal area and then they tell me, yes, I'm doing them. Yeah. So not quite. <laughs> so it, it's really difficult that's, uh, to, to ask for a normal person to feel like, I don't even know if I'm doing that, you know? Yeah. So it, it's tricky. That's why we have the real-time ultrasound machine or like for us to do internal examinations to really tell you specifically like, yes, you got a good activation there. I reckon, yeah, so there, there are lots of like people that they assume that they're doing, but not really, so. Yeah, yeah and I think it's tricky, isn't it? Like I, um, a yoga class that I go to and they're like, okay, everyone's squeezing your pelvic floor. I'm like, oh, honey, that's your abdominal muscles. Like yeah. that's, and yes, squeezing your pelvic floor is important, mm. but also so is activating your abdominal muscles. Mm. But that's not the same thing. They are different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because pelvic floor muscle is actually a really small group of muscles compared yeah. to your abs muscle. Yeah. So I think that's also another reason adding to it. Like it's so hard for people to be aware of whereabouts they're working mm. yeah so going back to the internal examination mm. tell me what does that actually entail it's it, kind of a no holds barred type of thing because <laughs> i think if i'm wondering like oh well, yeah. yeah actually maybe somebody <laughs> else is wondering it as well so yeah 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 no 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 absolutely i mean but when i actually did my further studies as well i mean um, we had to learn about it and i was like oh my gosh like what, what, what do I need so to expect? Not what like, I what, what up is for. this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not that daunting, and mm -hmm. we usually guide you through as well. Uh, just remember that it's 
ba- it's really like the golden standard of doing uh, performing this examination because we could actually really feel the power of the muscles and most of the time as well. So what it involves is um, our therapist would be placing one or two fingers in into the vagina, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll be actually palpating around those like base of the muscles. So yeah. like feeling all those like different strands of the pelvic. Uh, floor muscles to actually examine like mm, if there's any like hyper hyper uh, tonicity so like increase of muscle tone or like any sort of mm, too soft and not enough activation so it's very specific that's why it's such a good tool for us to actually assess specifically for patients as well the women who sign up to mm. go in and do like to have students practice on them mm. they deserve an absolute medal <laughs> of course, one hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, that's not something I want a student kind of. <laughs> Everyone come over and have a look. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. It, I think it took us a while too to like really get used to it. But again, like when we did the course, like like we're keeping keep reminding ourselves like it's it's for us to be able to have a better tool to help the it's community. For the greater good. It's for the greater yes, good. Yes. <laughs> Sink into the mind. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what kind of ah, – so I'm just thinking about all of the mm, slightly more out there kind mm. of products that are becoming more and more available. Maybe they're not out there. Maybe it's just that they're newer or – but mm. things like Yoni eggs or the mm. things like um, – Very fed, something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. the video game where you can yeah. steer a car using your pelvic oh, floor. And yes. What I've, are your thoughts on those? <laughs> I mean – it's great game, <laughs> but I mean, I've seen one of my clients showed me. It's like a remember Flappy Bird the game. Yeah, you're using your pelvic floor to like get through the Flappy Bird game. And I was like, oh my, good on you. I was like, I can't get my pelvic floor to do that. So, I mean, the great games, great initiative. However, I think coming back to because some of them I've seen it's like they get them hold the pelvic floor for so long like probably one to two minutes we usually do not actually encourage that the reason being that might increase the actual muscle tone um around the pelvic floor and so over time if they keep doing that if the person was really keen like do them like three times a day then that can really increase like you know some overactive pelvic floor muscles and that might lead to some other issues Mm. like some people might have like mm, discomfort during sexual experiences or like it's very tight and it's very bracing down there as well or like incomplete bladder emptying as well because Mm. the pelvic floor isn't relaxed enough for the wee to come like all empty out yeah. So those are a bit of a few sort of like implications that you could have if you're doing your if you're doing your pelvic floor exercises incorrectly. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't say those are bad exercises because you actually get like a good visual feedback of what your pelvic floor is doing. Hmm. So I would still suggest if you've got one of these tools, just like bring it in to like the physio, women's health physio appointment, and then they can guide you through like how you can actually use them more effectively in a way yeah oh awesome and um has there ever i suppose it's oh god i've got this but i'm embarrassed to talk to a women's health physio about it yeah yeah i get that a lot yeah Yeah. but again like if when you're attending to a women's health physio appointment just remember that we are here to help you and we have heard many many different stories so 
it's not gonna be like it. You're you're not the only one as well. There are so many ladies out there with similar problems. Yeah. So and that yeah. I suppose that's that's sort of the whole purpose of the podcast that we mm. have is just around raising awareness that you're not alone. Mm. And I think despite the fact that we so many women think that incontinence is something that you just need to live with. Mm. Nobody talks about it. Oh, yeah. I get that feedback a lot. Like my, one of my ladies, she, yeah, she's been having it. The lady that I spoke mm-hmm. earlier about. So she's had that like for 20 years. And then she when, she, when we had the first session, she was like, I never know about this. Like, yeah. wh- how come no, nobody actually mentioned about this? I say, yeah, it's it. And also like she's probably, you know, back then when she gave birth, like 10 years ago, I really want to like, like encourage that this, this, like it, the knowledge is out there. Like there are people that are qualified to help you guys yeah. with this as well. So don't be afraid to like reach out to, to different professions or, um, yeah, women's health physio or speak to your friends or anything about this to actually seek out for some support yeah yeah and I think that that's it's probably why I asked you to be part of this podcast is because having that conversation with the friend who has the 12 year old son and older Mm. children as well and I think I made some kind of joke about being on the trampoline with one of my children Mm. and which by the way nearly killed me but it's got nothing to do with my pelvic floor like oh my goodness how hard is a trampoline (laughs) different story but um and she's like oh no I couldn't do that Mm. and I was like well why not like Mm. yeah I mean my bones are they objected to it Mm. um and she's like oh no because you know I would just flood the trampoline and then my son Mm. would be jumping in a pool of my piddle so um yeah so it was that I was like you know that that's not actually you don't have to live like that and she's like well Mm. yeah I've had three children and so yeah, but there are options out there for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, most most of the mums also feel like, I mean, I've had multiple pregnancies. Yeah. Like that's probably it. Like yeah. I've done so much damage to it. Yeah. I don't think that could be reverted. So that's sort of like the mindset they most have. So, mm. uh, but I don't. Uh, this is like I I tell you, this is not the end of the world. You can still make some changes to it. Yeah. So. You just really got to like get that step forward to actually, yeah, reach for the right support. Yeah. If women are experiencing incontinence and it's quite recently after they've just given birth, mm-hmm. would we expect, and they went and see a women's physio sort of within that, around that six week mm. post delivery checkup, mm. would you expect them to start seeing improvements quite quickly? Generally speaking, once they've, been assessed by a woman's health physio and if there was some sort of weakness uh, identified um, then obviously they would have gotten like an exercise program from their woman's health physio they usually should expect like uh, like some symptom changes or reduced within like the two to three weeks yeah so let's say like mm, I used to get like leakage um, whenever I cough kind yeah. of thing or whenever I go from sitting to standing so oh, is that quite a common one? Mm, you can also oh. feel that if, if it's pretty bad, like pretty weak of a pelvic floor. That's why we also encourage like during your pregnancies, 
still do your pelvic floor exercises. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that usually can raise up the the baseline as well. However, if you haven't done that, that's okay. It's not yeah. the end of the world again. So that's um, my favorite kind of exercise because I can do that on the couch. Yeah, yeah, or driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I used to yeah. teach people that when you indicate every time you indicate. Oh yeah. Practice your pelvic floor. You know, because it's just like that little reminder. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I know when I was pregnant and I used to sit on the couch and watch the yoga that I should have been doing, but I was like, oh, I'll just sit here. I can do pelvic floor exercises instead. Yeah, so it's like it's like it's like different ways that you yeah. can um yeah, and, and and pelvic floor is like once you sort of get the hang of it, it's actually you could even do it like standing or sitting or yeah, just don't do it when you're peeing though. Okay. Some people they think like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll test it out. So if I yeah. can stop my wee, that will be good. Yes, you're using that, but we usually try not to stop the strain because yeah. that will disrupt like your bladder relaxation flow. So yeah, but I mean, sorry, come back to your question is that, um, yeah, generally the women, they should feel some changes. Yeah, within the two to three week mark. And then usually that's when we get them come back in, reassess, see if there's anything we need to progress and then work from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that depends obviously on what their pelvic floor function was like prior to pregnancy Mm. um but what i'm hearing you say is that for women who are perhaps you know 20 years post delivery and have had 20 years where they haven't had engaged pelvic floor or Mm. women who are um, experiencing incontinence for the first time due to aging Mm. that it may take longer for them to experience some Mm. successful change yeah yeah so usually those population I'd probably say if it's still just incontinence issue, like, but uh, like after pregnancies and whatnot. However, they haven't sought any uh, support for a long time. Those would probably take mm, roughly like six, five, six weeks ish, and then they should like be able to feel the the differences as well. Mm. The reason being because those ones for like. for having such a big gap they might not get that uh, correct pelvic floor activation straight away yeah so it would take a little bit of time for their body to sink in like that's what i'm trying to get you to do okay like slowly get the activation and then get into the timing and all that however if it's like more sort of aging like as you get older they sometimes might have plus or minus some other things as well. So Mm -hmm. such as like sometimes people are not doing a complete bladder emptying and that might maybe cause a few episodes of UTI. So like Mm. urinary tract infections. So those ones with a bit of like uh, extra like extensive like medical sort of history then might take a little longer as well. Mm. And I think UTIs can be something that are quite com- I mean UTIs are quite common with women anyway mm. but particularly women who are possibly experiencing either experiencing some incontinence or some um, bladder leakage or women who are worried about it and mm. who are too afraid to drink anything because mm. I don't want to I don't want to risk being out in a meeting and having this happen or yeah. um, I don't want to risk being at play group with my child and having this happen you know so um, I think it's really important to remember that it's we need to drink water. Oh, you know, yes. We need to keep our fluids up. Yes. But actually we need to do something about, let's do something about the problem Yeah. Uh, rather than just of kind course. of put a Band-Aid on it by not drinking enough yes, water. Yes, yes. 
so usually to for those type of populations as well to help them a bit more specifically other than you know like the real-time ultrasound and the um, internal examinations we can do sometimes we also get them um, just uh, fill out a bladder diary for us Mm -hmm. so what it does is it will show us how much fluid they're actually taking in like drinking in and how much they're like peeing out as well and so you will realize when you do it, it's like, oh, I actually drink a lot of different things like, <laughs> yeah. during the day. Yeah. And sometimes some people, they can't control very well with their incontinence. We'll try just reduce a little bit or adjust a little bit of their input, uh, mm. input like volume. So then it doesn't actually load the bladder as much. And when we try to train that pelvic floor, it'll be a lot easier to yeah. go about. And then you can like sort of adjust as they sort of progress a bit better yeah. as well. Mm. And one of the things that you mentioned way back, uh, probably at the start, was around Mm. access to services. Mm. So, um, and it's a question that we get asked often with the services that we have. We obviously don't have a women's physio here, but, you know, how do people access services? Do they need a referral? Can you self-refer? You can get referrals. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, GP can write you like a... I, I, I'm pretty sure you can also get it under Medicare. However, because women's health physio is quite a specialized physio field, that might sometimes incur some gap fee, just mm-hmm. to be aware, guys. Uh, however, if you don't want a referral, you can really you can also walk in. Just make sure the clinic you're attending to that they actually provide women's health physio, not just uh, just normal musculoskeletal, because that won't really help. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just think you really want the person to be trained in women's health physio before they put the glove on. Yeah, yes. I mean, not all the women's health physio could perform internal examinations. Yeah. Most of them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even though they can provide just a real-time ultrasound assessment, it's still, it will still tell us like good results as well. So yeah. just make sure you guys, like when you're attending the clinic or you're um, yeah, trying to make an appointment, make sure you check on that as well. Mm. Yeah. And look, and obviously attending a physio cost can be prohibitive for some people mm. and I guess the thing is that if you can experience change within two weeks or within five weeks or you know whatever that is mm. think of the money that you can save on incontinence products yeah so <laughs> long term mm. you're like not only investing in your future because who wants to have to be worried about incontinence every yeah. day yeah but there's cost-benefit analysis as well. Mm. And also just think about as well, because some women, they feel like, oh, I've had this, like, I'm going to have this incontinence issue with me for the whole life. Mm. And that's going to affect or restrict some of their daily activities or restrict some things that they could do with their kids. So I don't think you need to think like that. Mm. And um, yes, it might be a bit costly at the start, but it will definitely be a long-term, like, beneficial thing. Yeah. 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 And so roughly if somebody comes to you for, and I know that this is like asking how, how long's a piece of string, somebody comes to you for continence issues, mm. how many appointments do you generally do with that client? Uh, depending on their complete, complex level, I would say, but in general, if it's a really just simple, like stress urinary incontinence, probably three or four times. And if they're doing their exercises. Yes, that, that will really help what offers your say yeah <laughs> yeah so if they are actually really compliant to their program they do them and they get good activation yeah so probably we would just see them like three to four times then they will go on like their 
the self-management and we'll give them guidance as to what they can do like progressively to let's say return to sport or return to activities things like that and then they should be good in good hands if not then we need to recheck yeah. on something. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess, you know, if they experience issues further on down the line, they can always come back. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, again, like going through this, uh, going through that assessment is also important because the la- the like, the like lady will already have an idea like, okay, that's what I need to be doing. But mm. yeah, or whether or not just need to be improving it a bit, more specific activation, things like that, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned not holding like not holding your pelvic floor muscles engaged for, you know, one, two minutes, that type of thing. Mm. And how important it is to regularly do your pelvic floor Mm. exercises. How often should you be doing them? That's a little tricky just to give you like an answer because it really Oh, I only ask the tricky questions. roughly saying um because depending on how well they can activate so if they're like really really weak so they fatigue like maybe after three lifts then we'll probably do really little uh, like little reps but sort of like many Lots sets of them yeah 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 so we can play around and if the issue is uh kind of relying on uh, kind of coming back to because they can't actually hold it for long then we would also adjust that as well however usually the holding ones we don't need to get them do so often mm-hmm. so i would say roughly like two, in the day yeah mm, two yeah. three times and yeah and then depending on the ladies like if they're working or whatnot they'll be like very busy and they're like oh i forgot about this you know yeah and yeah. that's you know it's the forgot thing um mm. because you can literally do your pelvic floor like you know been we've been talking about it so i've been doing my pelvic floor exercises <laughs> while i sat here because i was like oh yeah when was the last time i did that um yeah. but it's about like you don't need to make time in your day to do pelvic floor exercises yeah yeah exactly exactly probably at the start they sort of have to make it like a little habit but then as they go then should be like oh can i could get that in now like squeeze it in um I, pardon the pun <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I also think like, um, so like what we generally do as well is like we try to really tap into like, "Mm, how's your daily routine looks like? Because sometimes you tell the lady like, you got to do this. They're like, I don't really have the time. But then you can like sort of really like squeeze it. It's like, well, you could sort of do it just whenever you have like a little break time, tea time, something. So then they know like, oh, it's actually achievable. And it's not like I need to take a half hour break to do the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that's kind of, you know, what I was saying before with the idea of when you turn your indicator on, Mm. then, you know, it just becomes that little memory trigger that, Mm. oh yeah, when I indicate, I know I need to. Like a little cue or something. Yeah. And and, um, I think it's James Clear who wrote Atomic Habits. He talked about doing the when, then. So Mm. when I do this, then I'll do this. Mm. So for example, you know, when Mm. I. I drink a lot of tea um, in English. So, you know, when I boil the kettle, while I'm standing waiting for the kettle to boil, I'll, you know, I'll flick the switch, then I'll do my pelvic floor exercises, then I'll get my cup and my tea bag. And, you know, so those kinds of things is to creating your own cue Mm. because you don't need to set aside half an hour to be able to do your pelvic floor exercises. But but you do often need that little memory trigger of Mm. I should be doing this Mm, mm. two or three times every day. So one of my clients, I got her do it like whenever she sits down from after she got her stuff printed out from the printer and then do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Things like that because then you don't have to do many sets as well. It's not like 
I'm gonna give you ten sets, and you're gonna be like, oh, like really working it out down there, you know. <laughs> so I need to sweat towel and lie down. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a really simple activation as well. So yeah, and then that way it's sort of like integrating into your life, and then it's not like you're gonna forget it, and then that you can sort of take it onwards as well. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So any other thoughts around any of the myths that are around continence or incontinence or any other thoughts that you think that should be shared, should be dug into? I think another thing that I might just slightly touch on, because definitely incontinence is the biggest issue. You have stress-related ones and you Mm. have urgency urinary incontinence, which is the ones that people generally can't really control their timing of the muscle activation so some of them some of the ladies come in and they're like I, when i see the toilet it's like i gotta go like now and yeah. then they can't control and rush into t- to the toilet the other type we see as well probably a little bit more complicated is sexual pain mm-hmm. so those ones are a little bit more complicated but we always encourage them to still come forward yeah definitely um speak with one of us um sometimes plus or minus might need some sort of like psycholo- psychologist like consultation mm-hmm. to help with as well yeah so yeah that's also something that like there's this population there but then it's probably a little tricky for them to come forward and you know speak with the uh, professionals as well mm. there's so much so much happens with women's bodies mm, definitely but we just don't talk about it <laughs> you yeah. know and yeah. i suppose i'm probably a little bit different and you would be as well i imagine i've worked in women's health for 19 years mm. You work in women's physio, so, you know, the conversations that happen around our lunch table, where, <laughs> yes, like it's yes. sort of no holds barred <laughs> and you get a new staff member mm. in and then you see the look on your face, you're like, oh, yeah, not many organisations mm. do have a lunchtime conversation yeah, like this. Yeah, but, yeah. but how do we talk more about it? How do we talk more about how, whether it's having a child or ageing or menopause or how do we open up conversations that are around this is Private, different yeah yeah that's it yeah. yeah i think that's also another quite common thing it's like people think like oh gosh am i the only one having this mm. like how am i gonna like start the conversation you know i guess it's um just find someone that you trust as well it doesn't have to be like you need to go straight to professionals if you're if you're not feeling comfortable with but definitely share your doubts or your like queries to your close friends or families and then at least you're not actually loading all of these onto yourself. Mm. So, and then sometimes as well, when you speak with your friends or your families and they might actually, oh, maybe you should like, you know, they have other ideas. You might need to, you know, like seek for other advice or things like that. And then I think that will also help like mental wise as well. Like you're not stressing yourself out because I, I mean, that's why we have women's health physio because you're not, you, I don't think you can not everything that you could figure it out by yourself and so you don't you try not to stress everything onto onto your own as well Mm. yeah and the thing is you don't have to suffer in silence Mm. you know so you don't have to you know you don't have to suffer with incontinence for 60 years after you have a child or sex shouldn't be painful yeah so and if it is often again if you go and see a gp they don't know what to do with that so there are some great ones yes but there's also some that go 
Oh, oh yeah. Like, if you got a broken bone, because I could probably x-ray that. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, again, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, agree to disagree, because I feel like GP also has a lot of limitation themselves as well. Like you mentioned. Yeah, no, right? most definitely. GP is just general practice, so yeah. they try to really rule out all the red flags. Yeah. So I understand from there. And they've got pers- 10 minutes. Exa- exactly, I know. You know, so... like. <laughs> Yeah, there, like I said, there are some amazing GPs who've yeah. got a really great breadth of knowledge yeah. and an in-depth breadth of knowledge. And then there yeah. are some GPs that have got, you know, sort of a general breadth of knowledge, but then some specific areas. Yes, and if yes. you don't find the one that's, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you need to find, knowing that there's women's health physios that you can go to, whether that's for incontinence or mm. pain during sex or, you know, whatever that might be, mm. there is actually help out there and you don't just have to go oh well it's just something that I need to put up with correct correct yeah Mm. we also try to because of that sort of gap between women's health physio and GP what Mm. GP knows sometimes we like try to still reach out to like GPs have GP meetings and stuff to really try to raise like "Mm, we're here there's women's health physio and what do what 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 do we involve and things like that you'd be surprised how yeah, how little they know as well. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and I understand that they, I think, is it six years to become a doctor? I should probably know that, but I don't. Mm. But six years to cover a huge amount, you can't cover it in depth. Whereas mm. when you've got people who are specialising in mm. women's bodies, mm. then they're obviously going to have a, a more specialised knowledge. Mm, definitely. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So any other thoughts, if there is, I suppose, if there's a woman out there who's listening to this, who's, you know, kind of gone, oh, actually that could be me, but they're nervous or they're worried about Mm. going to see a women's physio, Mm. what would you say to them? You could always just book, like, obviously use the clinic that has women's health physio Mm. access services. And then you, you don't have to just commit to the uh, woman's health uh, appointment first. I would say probably just book in a normal appointment. Just speak with the physio first. Understand a little bit more what it involves in terms of assessments or what are your concerns? What are your, what's the thing that you're worried most about with the appointment? And then we can go from there. Because in the end, if you feel like, nah, that's, I don't feel comfortable, yeah. that's fine. But we could use, like, try to still use maybe like other alternative routes to help you guys. So I would still suggest still try to speak to um, one of the f- women's health physios. But you don't have to like go 100% like, I'm commit. I'll, I'll, I'll do that appointment, you know. Because yeah. sometimes some people can be a bit nervous about it. And we absolutely understand that. Yeah. And the other thing is there are... Look, over the past, well, I'm 40, so over the past 40 years, I've seen lots of physios um, due to multiple injuries. Um, and I have seen some amazing physios and I've seen some physios that should never be near people. So oh. I think there are going to be some really great women's health physios and there are going mm. to be some that you think, oh, no, you should not be, like you and I are not going to gel. <laughs> um, and that's okay. So, mm. you know, I often say that if you tried on a pair of shoes and you got blisters, you wouldn't give up wearing shoes. Yeah. So if you go and you, you know, you go to a women's health physio and you think, well, I've had this conversation, I've told you what my concerns are, but actually I don't trust you enough to, mm. to have kind of a yeah. working relationship, mm. try another women's health physio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the time, I think 
pretty much you could Google it, mm. but <laughs> otherwise, as some GPs, if they're like good GPs, they generally know like some connections as well. Here, we're based in Gosnells, really. Yeah. Um, our branch is based mostly south as well. So we have like Canningvale, Coburn, and we stretch out a little bit to Vic Park, but definitely like um we can also uh, make bo- online bookings as well i'm pretty sure most of the clinics now yeah. they do take online bookings as yeah. well so it's not that hard as compared to before to try to reach out so yeah and i think there are other so you know ask for people for recommendations mm. and i understand that yes. we've just you know i've literally just said that we don't talk about these things mm. um but there are lots of facebook groups now where absolutely you know, community groups yeah or uh, and you know, can post groups. anonymously yeah, so yeah, you yeah, know you yeah. can ask does anybody yeah, know a really yeah. great women's health physio this is what my yeah. issues are get some personal recommendations yeah. because well, google's great but i need yeah. to know that this person well, like, is actually to your decent. kids like you know other kids like their friends their mums or something yeah. like that they might hurt of something as yeah. well mm. that's it and the more we can talk about it the more we can well the more we can dispel some of the myths and mm. know that you don't have to suffer in silence or suffer alone absolutely absolutely yeah and any final thoughts before we wrap up for today no just i guess in general that pelvic health is quite important across all women's across all ages as well so it is important for us to keep a close eye on it monitor your symptoms or whether you don't have symptoms or just doubts Mm. then yeah definitely like speak up and try to reach for some advices professional advices and don't sort of like overstress yourself with um, different informations online. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah Doctor Google is sometimes not your friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's probably like my biggest advice as well. Yeah. Again, like all of our like professionals, we're trying to help you. So, and trying to support you guys as well. So yeah. yeah. And we're talking about obviously we're talking about women and we're talking about women's pelvic floor and women's pelvic health today, mm. but it's not gender specific. So, no, no, yeah. You know, so regardless of your gender, pelvic health is really important. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, doing pelvic floor exercises. I think, um, you know, yeah. So men still yeah, have so the same kind of yeah. issues, and if they um, so for men, mostly it's like after their prostatectomy, then yeah. they would still need a uh, pelvic health um to take care of after. Yeah, sometimes we also treat like uh, pediatric populations. Mm. So if like kids are like finding a bit difficult to actually control the weed, like, you know, after five years old and things like that, there's a wetting beds and stuff. We can also help assist with that. Yeah. Yes. And that's at what age should you start doing pelvic floor exercises? I know I'm supposed to be wrapping up, but that just oh, popped so- into my head. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think, I think so generally speaking uh you can do a pretty early stage but i would say like probably like uh once you've like had your period that kind of stuff then you start doing them because before the period i don't think that's actually like you don't actually really need that like you Mm. don't yeah it's not connected there anyway so that's probably where i would say yeah but again it's usually like as you grow older like you've had periods and stuff then you might plus might or might not like you know get married and have some Mm -hmm. sort of sexual experiences then usually those are the time that yeah really start to take care of that Mm. awesome okay well thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate it and um thanks for speaking so openly about (laughs) continence incontinence women's health pelvic health 
those kinds of things. So yeah, not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I will put all of your contact details in the show notes, and people can kind of track you down and find out more. Yay, no problem. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.